have you have you found a good uh, podcasting recording uh, solution for Linux? Or yep, it's called booting into OS ten or Windows via virtual machine. Nice. Welcome to Changing Platforms, a podcast discussing the various aspects of migrating from one technology platform to another. I'm Keita. And I'm Jason. And as this is the first show of the season, it's only logical that we start at the very beginning. Both of us currently use a lot of Apple hardware and software, and we're both looking at leaving the popular tools behind, to some extent, and returning to Linux. Hopefully, with the help of these discussions, we'll have the opportunity to share ideas and explore the feasibility of abandoning commercially supported software and unified ecosystems for something reminiscent of the technology scene from some 30 years ago. But before getting too far into the show, we thought it would be a good idea to talk about our concerns with the current platform situation before talking about which specific platform or platforms we might jump to, if we jump at all. So, Keita... Um, how about you start for us? What are some of your concerns with staying with OS X? Well, the biggest thing for me is actually the hardware, which is not probably one of the popular ones. Um, but I recently have uh, purchased one of the new uh, Mac Pros, you know, the, the garbage can ones. Yep. And, <laughs> and I guess my ideal machine would have been the old, uh, the big, huge tower Mac Pro where you can put whatever you want in there. And so basically that's what I want. Like I want, um, you know, five or six uh, hard drive bays, uh, replaceable memory, um, you know, stuff like that. And I guess the reason why I want all that kind of stuff is... I'm not sure, really. <laughs> but Well, um, expandability, I assume. Exactly, um, yeah. Because this is something that I've also got a problem with, with a lot of the Apple stuff that I've had. Um, because Apple does make really good hardware. Yeah. When you compare what they sell to the market and compare them with just about any other company, um, it's miles ahead Yeah. in terms of quality, in terms of uh, design, in terms of research, it's really, really good. I love the keyboard. Oh it's yeah, perfect. Yeah, especially the uh, the laptops. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and that's pretty much the only thing I have. I don't have a Mac desk, uh, desktop. Yeah, um, I used to be a huge proponent of Hewlett Packard until mm -hmm. Apotheker took over and completely gutted the company before he left, and some other person came in and continued the streak of fail. Um, but HP notebooks, they're getting better, but I still don't want them for a number of reasons. Um, Lenovo, even though there was the, uh, the, the bias, not really a scandal, but, uh, what, what, what did the Twitterverse call it? Bias gate or something like that? Lenovo gate? Uh, yeah, I think it was Lenovo gate. They, uh, installed some, uh, privacy, software, not privacy software, uh, some kind of software that installed a root uh, SSL certificate, which allowed attackers to perform man-in-the-middle attacks on your uh, HTTPS traffic, which is obviously not a, uh, not a very good thing. As not at all. And I believe it also replaced some of the ads for websites that you would visit with their own ads. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, which opens all kinds of questions. 
Yeah. Uh, and formatting a machine. Usually when I buy a computer, well, when I bought a Windows computer, I would always format it. Like this moment I brought it home, that was the first thing I did. Um, because PC manufacturers love to pack their systems full of crap um, that I don't want. I don't want these ugly... I don't know how else to say it except for that. This ugly software um, that tries to take over what the keyboard does. Like yeah. Brighten the screen, dim the screen, uh, fast forward a track. And these things are just horrible, horrible looking things. Um, I, I bet my dog could design a better UI. <laughs> uh, all this aside, coming back to the point, you know, Apple does make really, really good hardware. The downside is I don't feel I own this hardware. So... I had an iPad, an iPad mini three for about nine months and I recently sold it. And the reason mm -hmm. why I sold it was not because I was unhappy with the tablet. It was a really solid tablet. Uh, it was better than my phone, which is also an iDevice. Um, had the same hardware, had the same, like for the most part, same processor, same amount of Ram, uh, bit more storage, same operating system, all that other fun stuff. Yeah. The, the tablet was really, really good. Problem is, I can't upgrade it. I can't change it. If I want to have a different operating system on there, I can't do that easily, if at all. Mm -hmm. And then if I do do something to the tablet, then there's no guarantee that it's going to stay that way. You know, Apple might push something out over the air that then just bricks the device. I have no idea whether they can do that or not, but still, I don't own the tablet because you can't open it. You can't service it. You can't upgrade it, fix it, nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Apple's defense, I mean, there have been these open serviceable tablets before and they're huge and clunky. Oh, absolutely. Things, you know, so yeah, the, the Newton was big and clunky, uh, which is why nobody wanted the darn things. Yeah. Um, Palm was small and compact. Palm devices were not as beautiful, I <laughs> guess you could say, as today's devices. But of course, they were working with the materials at the time, the hardware limitations at the time, as well as staying within costs. If, if Palm had sold aluminum and glass Palms back then, in, instead of these $700 devices that geeks were fawning over, they would have been $2,000 devices. Yeah. It, nobody would have bought those things. Yeah. Th there is a lot of good in what Apple is doing. And one of the reasons, oh, I will be completely upfront, one of the reasons why I decided to switch to Apple three years ago was mainly because it was very difficult to upgrade these things. I didn't want something that I thought at the time, I didn't want something that I would spend more time upgrading than actually using. I liked the fact that it was a closed package. Yeah. Because in this way, it's an appliance. You don't have to think about it. You just use it. Right. And I think there are still, I mean, I think the majority of Apple's users um, is... I mean, the appliance uh, computer is what they need. Like they de they don't need a, a computer that um, you know uh, you need to up update uh, software autom uh, manually, and you have to like mess around with drivers and uh, config files or whatever. They don't. They don't. They can't use that. You know. Oh, absolutely. If my if my parents were to ask my advice for a computer, which they never do. Um, but if they were, then I would say, yeah, go and get a Mac. Yep. Um, when people at work ask me what kind of computer should they get, should they go with Windows or Mac? You know, just because I use a Mac doesn't mean I'm going to demand that everybody else follow 
my decision because that's that's stupid exactly yeah i usually turn around and ask them just a couple of questions like what do you do with the computer and blah 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 and truth right. be told i haven't recommended a notebook computer in just about a year people tell me what they want to do and i say well go get a tablet yeah you know go and get yourself either and now that the ipad pro is out you know you've got all the screen real estate you want right uh, randolph loves his pro mm-hmm. and that would be just fine for my mother yeah um, if my mother is going to type a very long email which she never does they're always fewer than she can fit an email in a tweet essentially <laughs> but you know she can go and get just about any external keyboard and i think she can figure out how to connect it but if not I, i'd be able to walk her through it over the phone it would be very very simple for me to show her how to connect wirelessly right um and then she'll never have to think about it again. The device will hopefully remember. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that just happened a, a few days ago for my mom. Like, um, I forgot what happened, but she had to wipe her, her system. Um, it's a, uh, it's a MacBook Air, so it's, it's Mac. But um, there were a few things that happened, and I was like, if, if she didn't have me, um, like there with her telling her what to do on Skype, um, it would have been a huge problem. <laughs> like, um, I forgot what happened. Like she was trying to restore from time machine and it didn't work. And, uh, like e- even the people who don't have backups, I mean, I, I try to make sure that my family all have backups, but, um, that's kind of a different story. But <laughs> my, um, she tried to open the ba- the time machine drive and all she saw was this like backups dot backup DB folder. And she's like, where are my files? And I'm like, well, they're inside that folder, but you know, the ordinary person doesn't know that, and they they can't, um, you can't uh, expect them to understand that kind of things. So I think that 99%, maybe 98, 99% um, of the audience actually prefers these appliances. But I guess our um, our our justification, our our thing, is that it's not for us. Essentially, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm no longer the target audience. I have a MacBook Air as well. And this is the second MacBook Air that I've had. And really, it's a, it is a a wonderful machine. I do enjoy using it. Uh, the keyboard is wonderful. It's still one of the best keyboards I've ever used. Um, Lenovo is a very close second. HP, distant third. But <laughs> um, it, it is a wonderful machine. The battery, like I've had this computer for about a year and a half now, and the battery still gives me about 13 hours, so long as I don't have anything plugged into the lightning port. Uh, It is a really, really solid machine. I run virtual machines on here, and Windows 10 in a virtual machine with 2.25 gig RAM runs better than any other version of Windows I've ever had. Despite the lack of resources, it's, it's a really solid machine. Yeah. That said, it's not giving me what I want. Um, I want to upgrade the SSD, but I can't. And the only way that I can update the SSD um, is I have to find somebody else with the same year MacBook Air. I And they need to have it. The, their MacBook Air has to be broken or they have to want me to break it <laughs> because the only SSD that will fit in here is another 2014 mac air ssd yeah 
It is completely proprietary, too proprietary. It was bad enough with the previous MacBook Airs, which also had a proprietary serial ATA connector. Um, but you could get those from OWC. Like I could order those from either Germany or California if I wanted to upgrade the SSD. Yeah. It was not ideal, but it was possible. Now, no. What I have is what I have, period. Yeah. I don't I, like... Yeah, I guess the point is that um, for Apple hardware, you want to buy the highest spec model. <laughs> if you're like, If there's even the realm of possibility that you're going to need to use... I don't know, 500 or a gig of SSD, uh, you should just go for it from the beginning because... But this is the problem that I have with that idea. Yeah. I can't afford that. <laughs> so as you know, I work in education. Yeah. I am not broke, but I am not wealthy. Mm-hmm. So the price difference between an entry-level MacBook Air and a top-of-the-line MacBook Air is 100%. Yeah. So if I were to go and get... Um, an i5, or probably an i7 MacBook Air with a 512 gig SSD, that would cost the same price as two regular MacBook Airs. One of the things that I really liked about the vast majority of PC vendors was you could buy low, and then over time, as you save money or as your needs change over time, as my needs have changed over time, because pretty soon I'm going to be doing a lot more Windows development, um, that's one of the reasons I've been considering changing platforms. I don't want to work only within a VM, especially if I'm limited to 2.25 gig RAM. Yeah. You could start low and then, like I said, over time, upgrade. Uh, I see a lot of people with Lenovo's. They buy a Lenovo with 4 gig RAM and maybe immediately they'll go and put in 8 or a 16, a, a pair of 8 gig uh, RAM modules is ridiculously cheap now. You can get 16 gig RAM for $200, yeah. which is cheaper than what you can get if you ask Lenovo to put the same RAM chips in your computer. Right, and you you used to be able you used to be able to do that for uh, the MacBook Pros. Um, I mean, that's what I did <laughs> with mine. Yeah, and until 2012, right. when the Retinas came out. Yeah, you know, I I do understand why Apple is doing what they're doing. It's not just a money grab, like haters are going to say. Um, it is all about convenience, but at the same time, uh, needs change. You know, where I was two years ago is very different from where I am today. Yeah. Um, two years ago, I could not imagine doing any Windows development, but here I am. I'm less than a month away from getting into a full-time Windows development with IIS and all that other fun stuff. <laughs> um, and yes, I could... I could try and have boot camp on my device, but again, it's a 128 gig SSD. Believe it or not, 128 is more than sufficient for what I need when I'm walking around. Uh, Because here in my house, I've got 48 terabytes of data on my NAS. I don't need to carry 48 terabytes with me (laughs) all the time. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't go for the 256 gig SSD at the time. I didn't need that. Right. And more than that, I've got my, uh, all of my virtual machines and I've got three virtual machines that I regularly carry around with me. Those are on USB sticks, USB three sticks. Yeah. Uh, because USB three is really fast. And the really nice thing about this is like sometimes, um, I need more power than my MacBook air has. So that's no problem. I just take that USB stick. I plug it into a computer a desktop computer and now i have a lot more power right 
And so I can very quickly scale. And I, I understand I am not the typical, um, I hate using the word user, but I am not the typical user when it comes to technology. <laughs> um, but that being said, like, I, I feel very frustrated by the no's that Apple gives us with regards to their hardware. Um, and we get this with other manufacturers now too. Uh, Lenovo has a couple of models with what they call onboard RAM, which is basically soldered RAM. You can't do jack to it. Yeah, You can upgrade the SSD because luckily they're using the M2 SSD connectors. So you just rip open the bottom and shove something else in there. Um, HP's the same way. They've got a lot of onboard RAM. Um, Sony is also going down this route. Toshiba's also gone down this route. Fujitsu's about to go down this route from what I'm hearing from inside the company. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people are moving towards this onboard RAM because it reduces their costs. Yeah. If they, if they don't have to have the slot, it, it actually reduces the cost of manufacture by something like four or 500 yen per motherboard. Yeah. And I mean, it like, <laughs> you, you know how, um, whenever you're changing the RAM and it doesn't work, you take the RAM out and you blow on the contacts. I mean that you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Nintendo uh, fix. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, that was that was a real problem, you know, <laughs> and like I had to do that to my Mac once. I had like uh, I was getting some kind of a strange error, and I uh, took the RAM out and cleaned the contacts with the uh, an alcohol swab, and it worked perfectly after that, you know. So, you know, re- reducing the um, the amount of uh, failure points is all a good thing, I think. Absolutely, and one of the things that I absolutely loved about the Mac when I did make the switch was how easily you could put the machine to sleep and wake it back up. And one of the reasons is because the Apple software can trust the Apple hardware. Yeah. Um, and I, I still, I still find it amazing when I have to do this at work, I've got a virtual machine running, uh, usually a windows XP virtual machine running off of a USB three stick. I get called away from my desk for whatever reason. So I don't, pause the virtual machine. I don't do anything. I just close the lid on my computer. I get up and I walk away. Yeah. I come back, I open the lid. The virtual machine starts up again without missing a beat. It updates the time. And this is with a Windows XP thing. Like Windows XP, I remember you had to babysit Windows XP. <laughs> and if anything happened that was unexpected, it would give you a blue screen of death and it would reboot. And then it would do a check disk, which could take a long time, depending on the size of your disk. And then... It would bring you into Windows, and then it would give you a warning saying, "Don't do that again." <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not. But, I'm not sure how much of that is OS 10 and how much of that is uh, VMware or VirtualBox or whatever you're using. But well, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. But at the same time, we've also got because these machines are now becoming appliances. Um, there are. I, I don't want to say there are fewer failure points because there. I think there are actually more points of failure. Um, considering the complexity of what's inside these machines, mm, but there, there, there's a greater degree of simplicity. Yeah, I would say that there are fewer uh, user accessible failure points. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yes. Um, yeah, and most of the errors, or most of the failures, I think, are user caused. You know, just by meddling around with, you know, like with batteries, or power stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's... so it, it it is a certain 
issue there. So let me ask you this question. Um, you had said that you've got one of the trash, the trash can MacBook, uh, Mac pros. Yeah. Um, but what you, what you really wanted was what was before. Right. Um, I remember reading, uh, Marco Arment's long blog post, I think two years ago, where he was lamenting the fact that the trash can MacBook pro was maybe 5% faster than one of the older Mac pros. Yeah. Did I say MacBook Pro? Yeah, anyway, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the trash can was maybe five percent faster than the big ass case. Yeah. So why not just buy a big ass case? Because in this way, you've got your um, drives in there. You've got uh, the hard, the, the sturdy as heck um, chassis. You've still got Xeon processors. You can shove, I believe, those things max out at thirty two gig of ECC RAM. Uh, um, yeah, I think 32 or 64, something like that. Well, 64 would be v- lovely <laughs> for me. I, I've never had more than eight in any of my servers, let alone machines I carry around. <laughs> um, so like, why not just go with one of those? Does the extra 5% matter or is it some other reason? Yeah, well, I was thinking about that. Um, the biggest reason was the size because those are huge. Um, and I guess that kind of sounds a little, uh, a little strange given that I said before I wanted to have a bunch of those, uh, you know, hard drive, uh, bays in my, uh, computer that I'm thinking of building, um, and installing Linux on. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I realized that, um, I guess I could just put it somewhere else, you know? Lacey has a bunch of external drives. Yeah. Um, and here in Japan, you can go to Yodobashi or anywhere and get one of those. Uh, there, there's a Japanese company, I think they're Japanese, called Century. Mm-hmm. And these guys make enclosures galore. Like you can get enclosures oh, yeah. for just like about 10 drives, anything. Yeah, 15 drives, stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, crazy. Fi- fi- 15 drive and USB 2. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or they've, they've got Firewire and Thunderbolt. And all. Like these guys have enclosures for everything. Yeah. So... I believe Thunderbolt cables can be a maximum of three meters before you need to have some kind of repeater or signal enhancer or something of that sort. So why not get one of these big enclosures? And if you're going to have more than five drives, that will be loud unless you're going all SSD. Yeah. Get one of these big things, uh, wrap it up in a bunch of um, blankets (laughs) and shove it in a closet. Like, why not go that route? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's one, um, that's one possibility, but Another thing is that I, although I'm not very into gaming, I do like, I do enjoy gaming sometimes. So I also, I, I didn't really talk about this before, but I also want to have a, you know, a powerful graphics card as well. And the thing with games is that they're usually designed with Windows in mind and running Windows on a Mac is it's okay. Um, there are some problems though. Um, and yeah, I mean, just thinking about wrangling with bootcamp again, doesn't really bring butterflies into my mind or whatever that (laughs) saying is. I don't know. (laughs) But so if, if you were to have, let's say hypothetically, Mm -hmm. you were to have one of these older Mac pros, um, with the big tower case, you got that on the floor next to your desk. Um, you have boot camp on there. 
the older Mac Pros, you could change the video card. There was a limited set of video cards that you could use. You couldn't slap anything in there. Right, yeah. Would that not solve your problem? I guess so. I mean, that that would be okay for a while um, until something broke or I would have to upgrade something. Um, another really good thing about, or not good, but another really attractive thing I like about um, like building your own, not hardware, building, building your own PC, which is actually usually what um, what I did before, is that, well, like you said before, you can upgrade things in steps. And when you're building your own thing, that goes all the way down to, you know, like the motherboard and the CPU level, you know? So like right now, maybe I only have enough money to get an i5, but I will be able to get an i7 in a year or something like that. And then you can kind of like gradually step up, you know, and sometimes like the CPU sockets change, the RAM technologies change, and you have to buy all new things. But it's a lot easier to kind of, um, I don't know, like gradually upgrade as your needs increase or decrease, whatever. Yeah, that is one thing that I like about that as well. Um, and then the other good thing about doing that incremental upgrade is, of course, then you've got those extra parts. If you have friends that can make use of those parts, great. You can sell your used pieces for a good price. Or um, what I used to do when I used to build is I would keep them. And then when I had enough parts to make another computer, I'd make another computer. <laughs> And then you can either sell the completed computer or give it to family or I guess that's not really necessary anymore since everybody pretty much has a computer now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, old parts. That's, that's another problem, especially here in Japan um, where space is very limited. I'm not sure what I would do with the old parts really. Um, yeah. That, that is a problem here as well. I, I live in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Two adults and a dog in a one bedroom apartment. There's not a lot of room for storage here. Yeah. I do like the idea of incremental upgrades. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just so much, I don't know, the argument could be made that we should just save the money and always buy the best of the best, but that doesn't really translate well um, because we don't know what the future has in store. Like This is like telling a 20-year-old uh, who's about to go and buy their first car, no, 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 save all of your money and go and buy a minivan because I guarantee one day you're going to have kids. Yeah. It may be pragmatic when taking a really long view, but for the here and now, which is where most of us live, um, it's very difficult to actually make that kind of judgment. And when I went and got this particular MacBook Air, it was because I had sold my previous MacBook Air, because that's what I do with all of my tech now. I try to sell it before I upgrade. Yeah. The MacBook Air that I was hoping to pick up, which was uh, pretty much what I have now, but with more RAM... Uh, Apple didn't have in stock and they weren't going to have in stock for, I believe they gave me a 10 day delivery date. Huh. And I said, well, 10 days without a computer for 8,000 yen to heck with that. No. Okay. Give me this particular model. Now, yes, I'm the sucker that didn't want to wait. <laughs> and I, I did the kakaku.net thing and I was trying to find another place that maybe had the model I wanted. Nobody had it. Mm -hmm. And Every store that I went to uh, online or in the city said, yeah, we can get that, but we have to order it from Apple. It'll take 10 days. So everybody was giving me the exact same thing. Yeah. And so I was like, no, to heck with this. I'll just go and get what I have now. Uh, and like I said, it is a pretty solid machine. I just can't upgrade it, which is where my beef 
really lies. I, I can't, I can't own my hardware. So we're about to run out of time, but let me ask you this one last question. Mm. Before the show, I had mentioned that I was running OS 10 on a Lenovo in a VM. Right. I was doing that for about a year and it was solid. I loved running Snow Leopard. To this day, Snow Leopard is my favorite version of OS 10, maybe because it was so rock solid um, compared to what I've used since then. That's a, that's a very common, uh, not a complaint, but a common uh, uh, realization. <laughs> it's a shame that we can't downgrade. You know, it's, it's my hardware, but I can't put Snow Leopard on my Mac. Well, so... Not, not easily. Yeah, not, not easily and also, well, the, like you said before, you know, the, the software and the hardware is so, um, so tied together that I'm not sure that, that it would even work. Like in this, the, the drivers in Snow Leopard, they probably no. won't map to the new hardware, you know, stuff like no, that. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I would lose USB 3. I would no longer have Thunderbolt. Um, yeah and all kinds of yeah stuff. stuff like that and also like the um like really i think they're really uh 80211 ac gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do understand that we can't hold on to the past forever as you know companies here in japan have just finally left windows xp for the most part for windows 7 and now today there was an article on ars technica basically saying anybody with a sixth generation intel processor or higher has 18 months to upgrade to Windows 10. Otherwise, that's it. <laughs> um, which is interesting. Didn't the sixth generation Intel processor just come out last fall? But <laughs> back to my question, why not make a Hackintosh? So if you were to go and build yourself a Hackintosh, there are tools out there that will help you build a better Hackintosh. Yeah. Um, it, it's much easier today than it was five years ago. Um, by doing that, now you have more control over your processor, your motherboard, to a certain extent. You still have to use either Asus or Gigabyte, I think. Um, but you'd have a lot more control. Hmm. Uh, even right down to the case, you'd be able to go and get yourself a, a crazy case if you really <laughs> wanted to, to hold 20 drives. Yeah. Why not go that route? Yeah. Um, well, I guess if it's gotten better in the last five years, then that, maybe I'll entertain that idea. But... I think I tried that maybe four or five years ago, and that it it did not go over well at all. Um, there were a lot of problems, especially um, like waking up from sleep, going to sleep, um, stuff like uh, Ethernet drivers not being available. Uh, <laughs> you know, like really, really um, basic things that just weren't working um, at all sometimes. And another one of my problems is that I do, well, I do a lot of uh, web development and the most popular OS for the server is Linux as well. So um, having Linux on my main development machine would allow me to do a lot of things that would traditionally require a VM to do. Um, the biggest thing that springs to mind is Docker, um, which requires features in the Linux kernel Um to run. So if I need to replicate a Docker environment on my uh, local machine, I would need to boot a Linux VM to run that, which is, I mean, there are tools because a lot of people who do web development also use Apple. Uh, there are a lot of tools to automate a bunch of things, but it's still um, kind of wonky. 
So being able to do a lot of uh, development things without having to use a VM would be really nice. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's another big uh, reason for my switch. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, right. it's, yeah, it's probably similar for you because you want to do, uh, or you're going to be doing a lot of a, uh, Microsoft development in the near future. So you don't want to be, you know, using a VM for <laughs> doing stuff like yeah, that. Well, the thing is I, I will need to use a VM. I'm going to have windows server running in a VM. So I don't want to have windows server in a VM with IIS and all that stuff. Plus another VM where I actually do doing, all of my development. Exactly. Yeah. A, four, a machine with 4 gig RAM just can't do that. And I wouldn't even want to do that on a machine with 8 gig of RAM. That's something where I would need, I, I would feel much more comfortable doing that with a machine that is really decked out. Um, but, you know, the day job is not going to spring for that kind of system. <laughs> yeah, and like well, stuff like that, you know, you can um, you can have the company buy your machine and then um, you know, upgrade the RAM out of pocket or something like that. I've been looking at doing that. The machines that they want to give me though are very, very limited in what you can do. Mm. And I would be spending about 80,000 yen, uh, to upgrade the RAM and SSD the way I want. Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking about doing, uh, I hope nobody at the day job is listening, <laughs> but what I'm thinking about doing is, uh, I may just have the machine they give me be my test server mm. but i do all of my work on my machine yeah um it, it, it's not ideal but i don't want to push my luck yeah uh, and if and if i say no 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 this this machine that you're giving me is just not good enough i want something that's five times more expensive and even if i justify why i want a very specific machine because I, I i did ask for a very specific machine right. that sells for one hundred and twenty thousand yen which is, how much is that in American dollars? A thousand dollars now? Uh, probably. The currency exchange is all out of whack. Yeah. It, it's not a very expensive machine at all, yeah. but it good keyboard, 16 gig of RAM, 256 gig SSD, and a 14-inch screen that doesn't suck. A thousand dollars US. And they come back and say, no, we want to give you this machine here, which is $910 US, because we'll save $90. Um, and it comes with that horrible, horrible WXGA resolution, 1366 by 768. Yeah. Um, which, if anybody's ever used Visual Studio, knows that is a painful resolution to work in. <laughs> so I don't want to look at that screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that yeah. being said, we, we are running short on time. Yeah. So where can people get in touch with you? Um, I'm at Keita on app.net and at sleepy under score under bar underscore keta on twitter um all right i guess you can uh find my blog at kkob.us is is that it i think so yeah all How right about you? and in, <laughs> as for me i am only on app.net you can find me there at matigo m-a-t-i-g-o and also matigo.ca where i've got my rants and other blog uh bloggy blogs for the moment yeah okay all right so that's it. This is the first episode. Yep. And next time, software. Yep, software. Sounds good. That sounds like a good idea. All right. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.